It's time for the Chuck and Buck Show. Hey, what? Oh, you guys are crewing up? Let's do this. I am honored to announce the four finalists for the 2022 Heisman Trophy. The first finalist is Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett. The mailman. He's been delivering all year and led Georgia to a 13-0 record. Our next finalist is Max Duggan, TCU quarterback. This red-haired Targaryen has had us tuning into the house of the Duggan all year long. And more comebacks than you can possibly imagine. His play was as fiery as his hair. Right here, the third finalist is C.J. Stroud, quarterback at Ohio State. 37 touchdown passes, tied for the most in FBS. He was the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. And then last, but certainly not least, Caleb Williams, quarterback at USC. They don't call him Superman for no reason, and his play certainly defied that. You might not like the fact that he paints his fingernails, but the passion that he plays with on the field is undeniable. I don't know who he works for or who he is, but he is racist. <laughs> well, I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, red-haired yeah. Targaryen. I don't even know if that's a thing. Yeah. That was that was RG3. Focusing on somebody's hair color the entire time and Right. Yeah. Interesting. That was RG3? That was. Oh boy. <laughs> I just like that he gives like stats for everybody, but all he talks about yeah. Max Duggan is his red hair. Yeah, whatever. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna write a letter. Yeah. So you do what you will with that, RG3. Good luck to yeah. you, I guess. Uh I guess we know what the R stands for. Yeah. I'm so I'm so used to it as a redhead. Yeah. Sorry exactly. you have to deal with that, Bucky. Yeah. It really is hard. I mean, what's the deal? Like, uh, you get introduced for a major award, and somebody just sits there and look at his red beard. And, ah, yeah, this finalist, somebody's, old fire crotch. Somebody's focused on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, well, thanks. Uh, how about my football stuff? Yeah, yeah, pretty Whatever. fiery. Let's focus on your hair. Yeah, what if they just focused on you know your skin color and I'd your be hair offended. color? Oh, freckly fire crotch over here. Yeah. He had a good year. Yeah. Well, he didn't even say really that he had a good year, just that you <laughs> led a lot of comebacks yeah. and that you were the house of the Duggan. And and what is that? Because the Targaryens are famously silver-headed. Yes. They're not red-headed. I don't know. Even, that's, it's not even an accurate racist. Right. Yeah, at least be accurate yeah. if you're going to be that way. Huh. huh. Thanks a lot. Thanks for nothing, RG3. I was kind of a fan of yours before. Yeah. Thanks for nothing. Now that you kn- I know you hate us. I guess the G is for Gaul. It's racist Gaul the third. <laughs> The third, well, it's not his fault then. Probably taught that. Exactly. It was handed down Mm -hmm. to fixate on redheads. Yes, exactly. And gingers. And not give them any other credit other than having been kissed by fire. Exactly. I like that better. Uh I I like that better. Um, Yeah. And it's just, it's totally uncalled for. Yeah. I'm not just a redhead, you know? Wow. Yeah, exactly. My eyes are up here. Yeah, my eyes are up here, guys. Yeah. God, I. Just feel terrible because you guys really have to deal with that a lot. We do. Well, and and yeah, so I just that's really I don't think hard. you feel terrible know. at all. Yeah. Be uh, honest. Yeah. yeah, especially the my eyes are up here. I mean, I don't know how you feel about that. Like I've never been put in that situation. No. 
but it's uncomfortable. I bet it's really uncomfortable. I hope you never have to deal with no, it. No, I hope I don't either. The life of a ginger. Yeah. Yeah. She's like a piece of meat. Anyway, I'm I looking bet. out for you. Thank you. Nobody's going to get away with that stuff on my watch. No, uh-uh. Have to deal with Charles Powell. That's right. The first. That's that's right. <laughs> the first CP one. A long legacy of Charles Charles Powell starts now. Chug him back in the morning. Sports Radio ninety three point three KJRFM. Sorry, we had to start the show with that ugliness. Wasn't my call. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I guess I apparently have yeah. terrible spreading it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, you needed to because we needed to editorialize. Yeah. I'm not going to allow that. I anyway. felt like I needed the world to know what was going on. Exactly. And so now they do. Uh, so uh, welcome into the show. My name is uh, Chuck Powell. Uh, Firecrotch Bucky Jacobson himself is here. <laughs> I don't know if that's we got Freckleface. Freckleface yeah. Firecrotch. Yeah. And uh, Ashley Ryan uh, as well uh, as we start the uh, Chuck and Buck uh, radio program. We'll be with you till 10 o'clock. we got a lot of things to discuss. And we'll start. You know, maybe I was just already salty because Michael Penix was not listed on those uh, finalists, those four finalists. I, I thought that he'd get uh, the invite to New York. I, I wasn't under the delusion that he was going to win. Uh, unfortunately, a campaign has to exist, uh, it feels like, uh, and and I just don't think that his got going uh, quickly enough. I think it was too late in the process. But I thought that he would at least get the invite uh, and be there in New York. Instead, it goes to four quarterbacks, three of which are in the final four, and then Caleb Williams, who went into the conference championship weekend as the favorite uh, to win the Heisman Trophy. And so those are the four invites uh, to New York. Um, And there is something to be said, by the way, like, all right, if he wasn't going to win, then what's it matter? I I think it does matter. I think to be able to experience that for Washington to kind of be put on showcase uh, in New York would have been a great thing for the program, would have been a great thing for Kalen DeBoer. He would have gotten accolades out the wazoo um, mm-hmm. for turning around the program. So you would have had that all week and all Saturday being discussed. So I do think that there is some significance to the snubbing that took place. I don't think it's just hurt feelings at this point. I think they made a mistake. I think they left him out. And, uh, and I think uh, it's an opportunity miss for Washington football because Michael Penix uh, should be in New York, and he's not going to be on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I suppose there's probably some other people that think that their guy should be in there, but I don't know if there – well, there definitely isn't anybody else that can say, you know, that their quarterback led the country in in passing yards and some other statistics and then gets snubbed. You know what I mean? It's – Hennon Hooker was the big-name guy, and then he ended up getting hurt in, in that loss, and then – Bryce Young is a guy that, you know, won it last year, right? And then he had statistically a better season than he had last year. But Alabama ended up having a couple losses. And so, I mean, I can see how some people might, Drake May, they ended up losing a bunch of games down the stretch, and yet he was a name that was kind of getting thrown around there. They had their hype trains going basically from the beginning of the year. Uh, Maybe a guy like Drake May, maybe a little bit more in the middle of the year. So I can see how some people, but I just don't, to me it seems like Michael Penix should most certainly have gotten an invite, but I they almost always go to the most important position, which we all know is quarterback, but they almost always go to that for the teams that get into the playoffs. And I guess Caleb Williams is the one exception, but that's because he was a favorite going into this. It's very strange. And and I just the Heisman just cannot get it right. And and frankly, they haven't their entire existence. It is the best player in college football. It is not the MVP. And it's very strange that in our 
professional leagues were getting further and further away from the most valuable description of you have your team has to be great. We're getting further and further away from that with every year in our professional votes for awards like this. And then here you have this college award where only four teams even get to the playoffs. And you have over a hundred different programs to choose from. And you have 22 different starting positions on the field offensively and defensively. And yet they put more stock in the value of your team's success than any other award going right now. And it's not like Michael Penix didn't have success. They won 10 freaking games right. uh, this, this past year. And so they treat their award, which isn't supposed to be an MVP award, more like an MVP award than the leagues that we have professionally that actually have MVP awards. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't understand it. And especially with Michael Penn. I mean, obviously, the change in coach has something to do with it. But then the coach didn't get out there and play. I mean, we give Kalen DeBoer all the credit that he's due, and rightfully so. And yet Michael Penix is the one that executed the plan that DeBoer put in place and executed it nearly flawlessly. I mean, it wasn't... Well, if we're going to go to uh, product of the system, if exactly. that's the argument against Michael Penix, then let's rewrite all of history. How many? How, I mean, Bryce Young is a product of the system, 100%. for goodness sake. C.J. Stroud is a product of the system. Uh, Caleb Williams is a product of the system. Ben, I mean, Stetson Bennett most, yeah. is absolutely a product of the system. Exactly. Stetson Bennett is the most valuable argument that there is because he's the leader of the best team in the country, yeah. but there's no way that he is ever going to be confused for the best player in college football. Right. No chance. He's not even going to get drafted. Oh. Yeah. That's That was my thought. Exactly. That's where I was going with it is how you throw his name in there. As he's just the ringleader, he's the guy that choreographs the whole thing with a basically an NFL team, a junior varsity NFL team yeah. playing college football, and just don't screw this up, okay? And he hasn't screwed it up. So kudos to you for not screwing it up. But it'd be really no, hard to screw he's a good player. I think yeah. he's a good player. I'm not that, you know, I, I don't think anybody can just step in there and do that, but I think a lot more people could step in there and do that than what Michael Penix did this year. 100%. Yeah. And so I don't know why it has suddenly morphed into, all right, now that we have a college football playoff, if you're a quarterback of a finalist, you're a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. I don't know how it's morphed into that, but that's what's been created in college football. It's another thing that they get wrong. No, well, I don't know why we're shocked, to be honest. Yeah, I was going to say, like we can add it to the list. Just yeah. add, exactly, the hits just keep coming. Fans. I mean, as Pac-12 fans, the college football world is just a disaster. So looking at the broader spectrum, it's not a surprise. I don't know. I, I don't necessarily take it personally. I don't, I don't think that the ACC or the Big 12 gets any more love than, than what the Pac-12 does. Oh, I'm not saying that part. I'm just saying in terms of how the Pac-12 has screwed up their own oh, situation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you're saying that college football doesn't get right. I'm saying, oh yeah, yeah. We already, we've already, we're already used to them not getting a lot of things right. So on the broader spectrum, for it to be another thing, you just add it to the list. You know, it's a great point. And for those that think that it is like the the East Coast bias or whatever the case may be, trust me, the thing that screws the Pac-12 over more than anything else is the way that the Pac-12 operates. Yep. No, so we really don't have anybody to blame but our own conference. Where was the Michael Penix Heisman push? Where was it? Where was it within the program? 
Where was it within the conference? Mm-hmm. You know, Puck and Jim were talking about it. How you know they didn't even acknowledge Michael Penix's candidacy in the Pac-12 season-ending press conference. Right. It was they all said just we have a Heisman yeah, candidate. It was yeah. just Caleb Williams, mm-hmm. and it and and Penix isn't even mentioned. And anybody that watched Pac-12 football this year, and some that watched it for a living, from Yogi Roth to Nigel Burton to many others, are sitting here making an argument. Caleb Williams isn't even the best quarterback in this conference. Mm-hmm. Where's the hype? And Washington needs to be blamed for it too. Where were you? What what did you do? Why didn't you pick up the ball after that Oregon game? Why wasn't it more talked about? Because it is something worth fighting for because it is worth the publicity that you get. This isn't just like, uh, you know, it's just an individual award. No, this is something of significance. This is something that if a quarterback sophomore quarterback in high school who's a five-star recruits like oh i can win the heisman if i go there and i can play for that guy kalen DeBoer, who turned around the offense in one single season or if i'm a wide receiver sitting at home and i get to see washington showcase during heisman trophy ceremonies and i watch wide receivers who are open by 10 yards on every single damn play you know those are things that can be profitable for kalen DeBoer and washington husky football going forward so i i think that um yeah, I this to me is something I know I did the whole week last week about don't worry about 11 versus 12 and I still feel that way. This is something I think you should be bothered by. This is something that I think a Husky fan should be bothered by because it's an opportunity lost and I think that the people that squandered it are the people closest to the situation. Washington and Pac-12 football. Yeah, I don't mind necessarily the, that Washington was kind of hesitant on it because of the thoughts of that that it becomes team before the individual. I don't. I understand I don't, why Kalen DeBoer would be yes, hesitant. Yeah, to do it. and Just then, as Coach Neuheisel told us. Last yes, week. and then and then ultimately, if that's kind of where the thought, where the feel is, right? Just figure if you're the social media director over there, that do you go to the coach first and say, "Hey, we're thinking about making this little push," and like, "All right, I get where you're going with this, but." Let's not let's not blow it out of proportion. There's still a big game. It's, this Apple Cup thing is really important. This all of these yeah. games down the stretch are important, and that means more in this whole first year turning this program around than that. Right. But the conference in and of itself, the conference has no excuse. no excuse, and it's and it's absolutely a, an overstep on their part to not have because if you just think if you're you promoting the quarterback and, of a team that's leaving, yeah. Because you could throw Bo Nix in yeah. there, too. Up until the loss to Washington, Bo Nix and the Ducks were probably the team that was in the forefront of possibly getting into the college football playoffs. Had they ran the table, they did not. And it was in large part because of him. He was the MVP of the team that was playing the best for the majority of the season until their late kind of struggles. And so to not have a campaign that is throwing out there, here's here's our guys, look at our crop of guys, to enrich the overall betterment of the conference is abs- it's asinine to not have them do it and yet it's par for the course well the pac-12 acts like they're the little brother conference to all of the other major five schools yeah and then on top of it they and also act like they're the, yeah and then they also act like they're the little brother though now to usc and that like usc is almost bigger than the conference because lincoln riley's there now all of a sudden and look that look at this big name coach that came to our conference and since Lincoln Riley's gotten there. That is how they've treated USC. It's like this this school up here and then everybody else in the Pac-12. And so it's not a surprise that they would do that same thing for the Heisman. I can't I just I can't stomach the person who complains constantly that they're being treated unfairly 
and then on the other hand won't do the things that it takes to promote the product. Agreed. You know, your your own worst enemy uh, at this stage in the process. I mean, you could have launched a Heisman campaign saying the four best quarterbacks in America are in our conference. Yep. Yeah. I mean, maybe I don't think that's true. Some don't people are going to laugh at it, but who cares? Yeah, exactly. It's just a PR campaign. Exactly. They're doing it in Georgia for Stetson Bennett. But to point out what Puck and Jim have said before is the Pac-12 doesn't even carry their own press conferences on their own network. Uh, you have to go online to watch a press conference with the commissioner of the Pac-12. That makes no sense. Nothing makes sense. Oh, the network is abysmal. Just absolutely abysmal. Yeah, you're, so, they're replaying old football games instead of showing a live press conference. Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, Michael Penix announced he is going to be coming back for his senior year. I mean... Get out ahead of it. Yeah. Caleb Williams isn't going to be in the conference. Or does that not happen until the following year? Uh, not till the following year. Okay. But get out ahead of it. Let's go Let's go, Phil Knight. Let's put a Michael Penix uh, full skyscraper poster in Times Square and enter the season as this is the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. Now, that can be dangerous in its own right. Because mm-hmm. you open yourself up to be being picked apart and diminished as sure. as Bryce Young did a year ago, even if you're having a quality season, you know, because you didn't show better than, you know, you know, decidedly better than you were the year before. It kind of opens you up to criticism. But nonetheless, some sort of campaign has to begin. And you can't sit here and say, oh, woe is us. You won't pay attention to us. You won't stay up late and watch us. And then not promote to those people we're worth staying up for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're setting yourself up for not living up to expectations, but I don't think there's any way. How I just kind of gave them a pass, Washington the University, a pass on maybe not trying to blow something up like this, like a, the Heisman watch, there would be no excuse for it now. I mean, now that the, the conversation has been started, now you got to go with it. you got to run with it full blast in the direction of, hey, Look at us next season starting off. We got a Heisman candidate right here. And then you hope that there's not a falter along the way, but you can't necessarily be scared of that to start the season. You have to kind of blow this thing out of the water. And yeah. should be a top five nationally ranked team as well with him returning. Yeah. There's a lot returning mm-hmm. to this team this upcoming year. So, uh, I mean, it's just a glorious season. I mean, uh, I, uh, I think Softy goes to bed with a blow up Michael Penix doll. Uh, and he Probably. just strokes <laughs> his fake yarn hair uh, <laughs> as he sings lullabies uh, to Poor him. Michael Penix doll. Yeah, this uh, fight song as he. You know, Poor Gina. Yeah, I know it's really awkward for Gina. <laughs> it's just, but it was blow up doll in the middle of their bed. But can we be honest? It's always been awkward in bed for Gina. That's true. That's I think true. we're not the first people that have said "Poor Gina." <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's find out what's on tap. This is Chuck and Buck's What's on Tap. Hey, buddy, what's the deal? What are you talking about? Brought to you by Buddy's Goodies and Glass in Renton. Remember, it's always 420 at Buddy's. Now with What's on Tap, here's Chuck and Buck. Uh, we're going to have Michael Penix Jr. on the uh, radio program today, so uh, that's kind of a cool deal. Don't mention the Heisman, though. Let's not mention that not for next mention year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure, <laughs> I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be like my first question. Yeah, yeah. No, I was I like, we should kind of keep like, it under wraps. Like, like, what's your favorite food? <laughs> yeah, you know, just a get to know you session. Yeah, mm-hmm. is your favorite color purple? 
What's your favorite episode of Frasier? Mm. You'd be like, we're never, listening. Never watching. Mm. <laughs> Michael Penix is going to join us at 9.30 this morning. So uh, go ahead and set that in your uh, calendar uh, of reminders. 9.30, Michael Penix Jr. right here on Chuck and Buck. Rick Neuheisel will uh, come on before him. So Rick Neuheisel's with us at 9, but he's always on with us Tuesdays at 9 o'clock. So we'll get his thoughts on Michael Penix. We'll talk behind Michael's back. Uh, and then spill the beans to him at 9.30 about everything good or awful that Coach Neuheisel says about him. Uh, Everett Fitzy is going to join us at 8.30 today as well, and Greg Bell will be with us at 7. Uh, by the way, the college football transfer portal is open. It is expected to be the wackiest uh, of the wacky years now that these young players are comfortable with transferring. Mm-hmm. How bad, how how active is it going to get? I think there is an expectation that uncomfortably active yeah, is what's going weird. to happen. So we got to find some time to talk about this a little bit later on in the show uh, because for the diehard college football fan, especially the one, let's say, over 40 years old, this just, just does not feel right. It feels very odd. None of it. Uh, Monday Night Football, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers rallied late to win 17-16. They're still not playing well, and it's still a big mystery in the National Football League, but now Tom Brady has pulled out two victories, what, in his last three games on the on the last drive, and so uh, perhaps that aspect of the Tom Brady magic is uh, being rekindled, uh, but we're still waiting for that offense to look the way it had under Bruce Arians the previous three years. It's gross, uh, but they win. They remain in first place with a 17-16 win. The Seahawks have a Ken Walker injury. We'll discuss with Greg Bell at 7 o'clock. It's an ankle, uh, and Pete Carroll says he could play this week, but uh, I think that could be optimistic. We shall see. We'll find out more from Greg. Uh, World Cup Brazil wins, uh, and today... Uh, Portugal may or may not have Ronaldo playing for them. So two games today in the World Cup, one starting at 7 a.m., the other at 11 a.m. The Kraken, the Red Hot Kraken, take on the mediocre Canadiens uh, tonight at Climate Pledge Arena. Everett Fitzhugh will join us to talk about that at 8.30. And we will talk some Major League Baseball. For the first time ever, there will be a draft lottery this year at 5.30 today. Mariners not involved because they made the playoffs. Mm. Every team that didn't make the playoffs is involved. Uh, so the MLB draft lottery uh, will be tonight. We'll find a little bit of time to talk about that. And the winter meetings Monday, not incredibly active, but there sure was a lot of money spent. Uh, we'll talk about that next, plus what the Mariners have done so far this offseason on Chuck and Buck Sports Radio 93.3 KJRFM. Judge. <laughs> uh, 
Sports Radio 93.3 KJRFM. That's the spirit, Ashley. I was wondering why you had Holly in your hair today. You are fired up for the winter meeting. Yes. See, Bucky? Did you hear that 1,000% yeah. positive response to yeah. my insanity? Yeah. I, she's trying her best winter to keep up with your meeting. craziness. <laughs> Yeah. That was awesome. Uh, that was cheerleader esque uh, for a polo woo. player. <laughs> Don't you have your sanitary socks hung by the chimney with care? That's not. No, People don't a, do that. No. They don't do that. What's a sanitary? I don't think she knows what those are. No. Actually, I don't even think baseball players today know what those are. I know, but they don't. We don't wear stockings to bed either. It's tradition. Buddy. I know. I hear you. I hear you. Sanitary yeah. socks. Yeah. Yeah. Shower shoes, I know those. Sanitary wait, wait, socks. Should I go on stirrups? Stirrups, yeah. Do you yeah, have your stirrups? Right. Although yeah. those aren't going to hold very much. Well, that was the that's what I was thinking. So you're yeah. going to nitpick every every uh, tradition that well, I, yeah. I come to the when table you're with. Comparing it to yeah, Christmas, I do. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buck, uh winter meetings going on. We didn't get it really a chance to talk about it much at all uh, yesterday. We will today. Uh, yesterday was not a real active day. The first day of winter meetings, and I'll tell you right now, Thursday and Friday probably won't be much either. So. If you were like me and you're looking for a lot of baseball presence under the old uh, winter meetings tree, uh, we need to get some stuff done here. We need some trades on Tuesday and Wednesday. But there were items of significance yesterday. Trey Turner signing 11 years, $300 million uh, with the Philadelphia Phillies. That's something that we can talk about as Mariner fans. Uh, And Justin Verlander leaving uh, Houston for the New York Mets for two years, $86 million. That is something we can talk about as Mariner fans. And I would just mention this. Aaron Judge is expected. He was in Tampa last night, which is where the Yankees' headquarters, believe it or not, really are located. Uh, George, The Steinbrenner family lives in Tampa, and George ran the Yankees out of Tampa. He didn't run them out of New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when he was in Tampa at the football game, you know what he was doing that day. He was meeting with the team whose uniform he's worn for his entire career, and giving them a chance to woo him. But apparently today he is flying to San Diego and is going to be at the winter meetings. And, of course, the speculation is that he's meeting with the Giants, the Dodgers, and who knows who else uh, while he's there and could make his decision rather soon. That's the big one that most people are waiting for not me, Bucky, because I really don't think we have any shot in hell at Aaron Judge. Yeah, I don't think they're going to go there. I mean, it's just, you know, Jerry DePoto, he can be criticized for a lot of things. The one thing that stands out is how honest he is. Honest when it comes to just kind of telling you what he thinks. And he considers this organization a draft, develop, and trade organization. Well, Aaron Judge is the opposite of that right now. After a 62 home run season, he's a he's a market in and of himself and i think that yeah i think that he probably doesn't want this isn't where he would want to go and it's not who's going to offer him the biggest money yeah i think he's going to end up a giant i really do before the end of the week uh i think aaron judge will be announced to the san francisco giants but i felt that way for months literally for months Mm -hmm. uh that that's where he was going to uh to end up uh, Trey Turner, though, does make you think as a Mariner fan, wait a minute, did we have a shot at him? I mean, the rumors were that he was going to be asking for like $33, 34000000 million, and he ends up signing for less than 30 per. Of course, it is over 11 years. Right. It's hard to believe that a 41-year-old whose main attribute is speed is going to be the same player 
toward the end of his contract that he's going to be at the beginning. But as Dan O'Dowd pointed out during the coverage last night, as long as you give me, and he's a former GM, as long as he gives me seven years of all-star slash superstar Trey Turner, I can live with the four where, you know, maybe I don't get much out of him on the backside. But it does make you think like, okay, maybe the market's not as high for these shortstops are we really all in on Wong and Crawford as up the middle at this point? Or maybe a Swanson or a Bogarts does fall in the price range that the Mariners can live with? It's possible. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I, I say unfortunately just because I would love a, one of those. I would have loved one of those big, splashy moves. But when they went out for Wong and then I was reading something Divish was putting out there saying that uh, Jerry DePoto is planning on Dylan Moore playing a little bit more. Um, I that doesn't surprise me. They like Dylan Moore. I like Dylan. I Moore. like Dylan Moore. I like Dylan Moore's offense. What was it? Two years ago, when he had that good year, kind of when he was uh, an unsung guy, just nobody really knew who the heck he was. He came out there. He's got obviously he's had some pop, but then the last couple of years he hasn't swung it the same. And yet he does pick it, and so he's kind of a guy where if he comes around and figures out how to be consistent at the dish, he's a guy that I could I could be okay with getting some some consistent time. That said, it just doesn't make you feel like you're making moves in the direction of championship caliber team if you're just like, well, what we already had, that's we're just going to use that a little bit more. Well, I saw what you text uh, tweeted out yesterday, and I think you're right. I think this team needs a one at least one more impact hitter uh, that has to be signed. If it's not one of the big five, which I highlighted in my um, uh, crystal ball uh, prediction uh, uh, blog uh, on our website, if it's not one of the big five, there are still some other guys out there that, you know, a Brandon Nimmo is still out there and the Mariners keep being mentioned uh, as somebody that could be interested. Uh, Yoshida, the Japanese phenom that's going to be making the jump this year it looks like to major league baseball i think is right in jerry's strike zone uh for somebody that he might look to add uh, to this roster so they do need a significant bat i think that they will get a, a significant bat before the offseason comes to a close and i know there are more moves uh there are more of those slight little moves a flexin for a piece or a marco for a piece that are going to happen this offseason as well so jerry's long from done he might not actually be active this week at the winter meetings, but he has a lot of different tricks up his sleeve. So the roster is far from being complete uh, at this point for for the Mariners. But we have not really had too much of a chance to talk about Colton Wong coming into the picture. I I think for the situation that they confronted, where they made it publicly aware that Jesse Winker really did not have a home for them, that to end up getting a really good piece and Colton Wong, a veteran piece, a guy that you just see on championship teams. That's the kind of baseball that he plays. He's a switch hitter coming off his best offensive season. Yes, he's coming off some decline defensively, Bucky, but it was just two years ago he won his second consecutive gold glove award Mm -hmm. at second base. So I'm not worried that his defense is on decline. As a matter of fact, I saw what Perry Hill did with Eugenio Suarez this past year. I think one session with Colton Wong and he's a gold glover again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wouldn't put it past it either. I mean, he this defense, this the the guys individually most certainly get better when they work with Perry Hill. I mean, there's just no there's no way around it. I mean, I think he's one of the guys that should be in consider consideration for most valuable people in that organization just because of what he can do and Colton Wong's bringing a good skill set to the table. If there's been any decline, I think the one thing that is a little bit worrisome is 
he's at his age. He's not young. But then again, if you're trying to be a championship caliber, you're not going all young. You want somebody with some experience, somebody that's played in the playoffs and knows how to get there and play a day in and day out. He's had a couple injuries, one being a calf the last two years, which is going to decline a little bit as far as your speed, your range. Which takes away from defensive runs. 100%, 100%. And this is the metrics people and the analytics people. They look at the number, and they're trying to scare you on the Internet. Yep. His defense is on decline. No, his range was affected by the calf injury. Yeah, that he was playing through. But it was just two years ago as a 30-year-old second baseman under our new metrics guys that all the gold glove voters now use almost exclusively. Mm-hmm. He was considered the best defensive second baseman in the National League in back-to-back years. Yeah. So if he's healthy and that calf is better, the range is going to improve and he's got everything else in the skill set to be an excellent defensive player, even at the age of 32. 100%. There's no part of him that forgot how to do what made him a gold glove second baseman. It's just a matter of he wasn't physically capable of doing what he was used to doing. And while that is something that can be scary in and of itself, a reoccurring injury, that's one that it can be worrisome. But that said, you have to be worried about every player's injury. I mean, not just their injury history. We were worried about about Hanniger's, rightfully so. At the same time, when Hanniger's healthy, he's a he's a pretty darn good baseball player. Every single player can get hurt, and unfortunately, this is a guy that has been dinged up the last couple of years, and yet he plays through it. That's something that I want. I want a guy that you're not – baseball's not football. There's not the same type of contact. You're not going to get injured the same way, but you are going to have nagging stuff because you play every single day for six months just about. And so it's you're going to have things that don't feel comfortable, but as long as you're still going out there and playing, this guy – 85% is better than a lot of people are at 100%, defensively and offensively. And so I am I like the sign that they went out and got. And who did you trade? A guy coming off neck and knee surgery. You traded an injured player yeah, for an injured that player. That didn't fit the clubhouse. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I'm almost tired. I'm with you. I'm almost tired of, unless somebody's got an extravagant injury history that you have, like a Jacob deGrom I mean, MLB Network's doing this with the winter meetings this week. Every player they bring up, they have to, as long as he's healthy, just stop saying it. Yeah, of well, course, as long as he's healthy. Yeah, of course, as team. long as he's healthy. And there's no way to guarantee that he's going to stay healthy for the duration of a season, for a month, much less the duration of an 11-year contract, Right. Uh, as an example. So I, I think we just need to remove it from That'd be nice. our analysis I mean, Jose Abreu is not injury-prone, uh, for goodness sake. But, of course, at 36, if he gets injured, he's not going to be very productive. Right, right, right. Everybody's yeah. injury-prone once you start having injuries, right? I mean, yeah. until you have an injury, you're, you're wow, this guy's just healthy every single day. And then you get injured, and then next thing you know, everybody goes down the path of, oh, boy, this guy can't stay healthy. There's a difference. Yeah. Uh, I also want to mention, and just quickly, Pete Woodworth, the pitching coach, uh, for the Mariners, got recognized as the Baseball America Coach of the Year. How about our guy, Woody? Well. How about that? That's good that he gets that recognition. I mean, look what the awesome. guy's done the last few years. That is awesome. So it wasn't just us. No. Other people. Well, I think it was everybody just listens to us. Well, I, I like being the first. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say that. Uh, all right, coming up next, we go sailing with Kalen. What does he think about an Alamo Bowl bid? And what does he think about Michael Penix? Uh, returning for his senior year. We are going to uh, find out right from Kalen DeBoer next on KJR. I'm really glad you brought me out here. 
Can't believe you wanted to. Although it's pretty fun. If we had some wind. <laughs> yeah, need a little wind here. Well, it's not far down to paradise. At least it's not home. Can't believe there's no wind. You need wind, because it, um... Helps push the sail. Yeah. Sorry about this wind. I can't believe there isn't any wind out here. This is ridiculous. Quit playing with your dinghy. Oh, man, Kalen. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I think our little sessions with you probably propelled you to 10 wins this year. It kept him grounded. Chance for you to decompress and uh-huh. just enjoy, feel yeah. the wind through your hair. A stressful occupation. Yeah, it is. And, and we offered a sailboat ride. Every yeah. week. With booze. <laughs> Uh, like, like you two are going to travel without that. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say. It's true. Do yeah. people go on boats without it? <laughs> Weirdos. And he's not a weirdo. Uh, so, uh, yes, all season long, uh, sailing with Kalen right here on uh, Chuck and Buck in the mornings. Uh, and we've had a lot of different topics, but we got a new one to discuss uh, here today. Of course, uh, we found out over the weekend that the Huskies narrowly missed the New Year's, New Year's Six games. Uh, but uh, accept an invite to the Alamo Bowl to take on Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas Longhorns. So pretty sexy matchup. Not New Year's Six, but a pretty sexy matchup. Here was Kalen DeBoer Sunday at his press conference talking about the bid. You know, here we are. Uh, we're going to go to Texas and play in the uh, Alamo Bowl um, against uh, the University of Texas. And could be uh, more fired up. Just met with the team and uh, got a chance to share with them. And they're uh, they're excited. They're excited to go showcase, you know, what we're all about. You know, the 2022 Huskies. And, um, you know, I just think these guys love playing together and uh, have just uh, been riding a high, uh, especially the last half of the season. And uh, it's one more opportunity to uh, do something special that we love. And that's play football and get to do it together. I think they assumed, uh, you know, based on uh, what had taken place over the weekend, that it was probably going to be uh, the Alamo Bowl. And, uh, you know, they, they, again, they just love playing the game. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for uh, these guys to even showcase their individual talents and, uh, you know, um, put it out there for the country to see. Um, and that, of course, in the end helps them with their opportunities beyond um, their UW playing days. Uh, yes, uh, if you do uh, go to the Alamo, and I have been to the Alamo. Have you been to the Alamo? I have not. Yeah. Don't ask about the basement. There is know. a one, right? The Alamo doesn't have a basement. <laughs> I'll make sure I remember that yeah, when I go. Uh, yeah, don't ask about the basement. I mean, it's good. It's obviously a bit disappointing it doesn't have that new year's six thing and i'm kind of glad that we're not going to ever discuss this new year's six thing uh ever again with the college football playoff coming it won't be a thing yeah. uh, anymore the uh, uh the college football playoff will obviously dominate the the six will be participating for the national championship um is six plus six uh, will be participating for the national championship uh so this would really sting you know, based on some of our conversations last week, I wasn't expecting both USC and TCU to lose over the weekend. If we were already in the college football playoff, this would really sting if you were the the last team out. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's where we would have been. Yeah. So I'm just glad this happened now. 
so we can get it out of the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's like me when I go to the driving range before I play golf, get all my bad shots out of the way. That's what they're doing this year. Get that one one just miss opportunity out of the way before we expand next year. Yeah, you would have just looked at it and been like, oh, look, USC effing this all over again. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And USC yet gets to go to the college football playoff. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Oh. Hmm. How's that work? Even more. <laughs> this hurts a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's how I'm approaching it. Like, we got the near miss out of the way. This can't possibly happen again two oh, years. Oh, gosh. Knock now. on wood, please. <laughs> uh, but it'll be sweet relief when we do have the uh, college football playoff. And so uh, I, I'm excited for that day. We're going to get a little reckless at breakfast with it uh, coming up today at uh, 745. But uh, what, a, what a season and what a job by Kalen DeBoer and to have um, the Heisman, uh, Heisman Trophy candidate ends up not being a finalist, but to have Heisman Trophy candidate uh, to get there in the conversation for your New Year's Six Bowl Considering where how desperate this team felt a year ago uh, at this time, just a remarkable job. And now it's all systems go. I mean, it's Michael Penix deciding, no, I want to come back because this is fun. I could be a first-round draft pick, but I want to come back. And I want to be better. Mm-hmm. And for them to be in a position, and, and you know that he's the Pied Piper. I mean, you know Roma Dunze's not leaving now. You know Jalen McMillan's not leaving now. At least I wouldn't I think not. so, right? Not, yeah, bring all three of them back. Woo. So you're going to enter next season with Michael Penix on the same line of Caleb Williams as your Heisman Trophy favorite going into next year. And it wouldn't be shocking to me at all if Washington will be forecasted in the preseason as a college football playoff team next year. Yeah. Top four. And the nice thing is they will play next year. So you'll get to see that head-to-head matchup. And, and a lot of times that'll go into the wane of, People's decisions when it comes time to make the vote on the Heisman, and then obviously the the outlook. To me, you know, you just look at the pros and cons of the whole thing, and you know, obviously there's the the con of injury potential, but there's ways of protecting yourself against that, and and then on the con, on the pros side of it, the way it looked the first year in this offense with this team with this group of guys, if you can build off of that, that's the, the the future looks bright. I guess what I'm saying is it's been fun sailing with you, Kayla. Really has. Yeah. Here, have some more Gouda. You've earned it. He has. Ashley, oh. fill him up. He's hold looking on. dry yeah, over there. Yeah, hold on. Coach, you got some crackers there. Okay, there we go. Yeah, let's get them. Yeah, yeah. They're right there on your UW sweater. Yeah. We don't need those. <laughs> Brush those off. Yeah, get those away from oh, you. Oh, let, there let you him go. Be, you there you yeah, go. He's relaxing. Look at the smile on his yeah, face. Now he's you're in a, a good place. Now you're a shiny penny again. Yeah. yeah. You need to hold on when you're doing that at the front. Like, by the bow of the yeah, let's hold not, on. Let's not, uh, let's not capsize on our last sail oh, around the lake here. Uh, all right, uh, coming up next, Greg Bell joins us, our Seahawks insider. What's going on with Ken Walker's injury and more? Sports Radio 93.3 KJRFM.